everyone, yes, this is, in fact, coming across your news feed. I guess not a news feed, but your podcast feed, whatever you use to listen to us. This is, your in fact, feeds. your internet feed. This is an actual episode of Football After Dark. Yeah, uh, it's okay. It, here, what had happened? What had happened was um, the month of February. We fell into a black hole. We don't know what happened. It's okay. We don't need to talk about the month of February. Um, <laughs> and it's been wiped from our memories. Oh, look, Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play for the Texans. Wow, that's insane. Wow, dude. what the hell? That's crazy. God, I. Who won? No, what? You know what? Maybe I, I don't want to. I don't need to know. I don't need to know who won the Super Bowl. We don't need to talk uh, about that. No, no, no. We are. <laughs> we are going to talk about the Super Bowl again, guys. Welcome back to Football After Dark. My name is Nate Kuyper. I'm joined by Matt Dussman. Hi. Uh, it's going to be the two of us today. Um, it's been tough to get everybody here for an episode, obviously. It's been that way for a couple of months. Um, but as of right now, me and Matt are going to try to hold down the fort as much as we can. Um, Justin will still be in charge of uploading these, so once we are finished, we're going to be sending them over to him, and, uh, once he gets, uh, some free time, he will be getting these up to you, but it's just going to be the two of us, and obviously, with Matt being here, we do need to talk about the Super Bowl, even though it's almost a month to the day of the Super Bowl, yeah, Zeus. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It is before before we get my thoughts. I think it's important that we get the resident Chiefs fan to give his now month to sober up take on uh, the Super Bowl between Kansas City and Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, it went the exact way everyone predicted it would go. Oh, did it now? <laughs> <laughs> oh did it now because man that's not how i felt uh, yeah um i mean who knew that the difference in a game would be having your quarterback hobbled on one foot and all backup offensive linemen not playing their original role and that would let you be under constant pressure it was like that that was the story of the game because i mean even in the in the Buffalo game where Kansas City looked like Kansas City, you know, you had Big Fish doing his shit, and then he got injured in the fourth quarter, tore his Achilles or whatever, got knocked out. I don't think Kansas City scored again in that Buffalo game. They didn't. I don't yeah, believe they see, did. No, and I think it happened in the third quarter, actually. I, I think it happened in the third quarter, but they had, like, enough of a lead and comfortability, and their defense was had enough, like, momentum that it ended up being okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think they scored again after Eric Fisher got hurt. And going into um, the Super Bowl, it was, it, the only thing that people said to look out for is the fact that you have all backup offensive linemen and three of them shifted down a spot. You have two guards playing tackles, a backup center, uh, backups playing guard, and then um, even even when you have like amazing quarterbacks that can maybe make up for that Mahomes was on one foot hobbled by turf toe where I mean the man must have taken like a double dose of Novocaine was it Novocaine whatever it is that like you know probably Novocaine something along those lines like a painkiller yeah he took some sort of painkiller before that game because like he had to get surgery right after the game on his toe so like the man had one foot and you could tell he didn't have his usual uh, speed and burst, and he still couldn't throw the ball to the left. Um, 
and uh, that 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 alone was the difference. It, like Tampa Bay adjusted their defense um, really well, but I think Kansas City didn't exactly take what was given to them like they did in the Buffalo game and the Browns game and all the other games prior. Where I think like when they, it, I, it was really funny because like when. Tampa Bay went up two scores. Uh, uh, resident professional sports broadcaster Nate Kuyper uh, texted our group chat, No, this is not what you want to do. You're putting the Chiefs where they want to be. And I had been sharing memes for weeks. Oh, go up by two scores. Now you must pay the Patrick price. Um, but it felt different. I, like it, it didn't feel like Kansas City could just turn it on almost like their head wasn't completely in it um and the constant pressure and i i think i don't don't think enough of a big deal was made about uh the mental state of andy Reid because of the dumbass decision his son made the sat the thursday before the super bowl yeah that Um, really wasn't talked about much no, it, it, I, I don't understand why it was glossed over that a DUI happened. It was really fucked up, um, especially because and, and I know some people said that oh, it shouldn't affect. After they lost the Super Bowl, Andy Reid sits down to his press conference at the very first thing he says before taking any questions is that his heart bled for the little girl that was hurt in the accident. So, like, I, I, I can't I, I haven't like kept I know she was in critical condition and I think she was like starting to heal. But it's one of those things where, like, I think mentally the coaching staff wasn't in it. Physically, the offensive line couldn't compete against what Tampa Bay's biggest strengths were. And uh, Mahomes, as much as he tried to make up for it with his crazy throws, wide receivers um, were dropping passes. Like, some of the best throws Mahomes made in the game hit in the hands and chest and they dropped. So it was like a, everything that could go wrong and against Kansas City went wrong. Because, I mean, Tom Brady won MVP, seven Super Bowls. Man is a living legend, and we'll never see this again. And it, I think some of it maybe got a little too big for Mahomes. Like, oh, if you win this one, the GOAT conversation start, you know. Um, and, like, can't say too much because it's not like Tom Brady played bad, but he didn't play great. He had, what, 200 yards passing is just the fact that because the Chiefs offense kept stalling, Tampa Bay had all those short fields. Like Chris Godwin had, I think, no catches. Mike Evans had one catch. It was literally playoff Lenny and Gronk. Well, it was actually was the reverse. It was Kansas City was getting semi-decent field position and Tampa kept getting the ball like within their own 20 and like Tampa didn't do anything offensively for like the first quarter and a half which is they actually showed the statistic of Brady in his Super Bowls where like his first quarter like every single Super Bowl Brady's played in he's never thrown a touchdown in the first quarter Mm -hmm. but then like from the second quarter on he's like insane so he basically like takes a quarter to figure out what you're gonna do uh, and then turns it on. Um, and well, I mean, what they did was attack the Chiefs in the way that their defense is the weakest. They've the, the weak points of the defense are the linebackers, and because the linebackers are Kansas City's weak, and 
our, one of our best linebackers, the rookie Willie Gay, didn't play. He was injured. Uh, he, he when he played this season, our interior uh, run stopping was a lot better. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, 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 Warren Sharp. Uh, if you listen to Adam Lefko's like Super Bowl preview betting stuff, Warren Sharp. Like, I mean, he had been chiding the Bucks all playoffs for all their shitty first down runs. Like that shit, I can't believe it worked against the Packers and all that stuff. And he's like, watch the first play of the from scrimmage from Tampa Bay. If it's just a first down run, look out because Bruce Arians has learned nothing. If it's a if it's a if it's a play action pass, this is going to be a game. And the very first play from scrimmage was a play action pass. And when that happened. When I saw that first play action pass, my heart, like my, I, I got like a feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, oh no, here we go. And, and maybe that's kind of funny because it was the very first play of the game. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh no, they came to play. They, they, they've been holding back. And, and that's what it took. Kansas City with their bad linebacking core and interior defensive linemen, not that great because, uh, was it Renner? I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. But like a couple of our interior guys, uh, like Khalil Saunders and stuff, they were hurt coming into the game as well. Yeah, we had Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and they played amazing off the edge and in pass rushing. Um, but to mitigate that, Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does in the playoffs and the Super Bowls. Almost every drop back was play action or a screen play. And Kansas City was really bad against stopping passes to tight ends and screen passes because they don't have the linebackers to cover. So just Tampa Bay went down the field by running the ball, screen passes, and gronk down the middle. And they they literally just attacked the Chiefs defense all game. I – man, like where, where do I go from there? Um, I guess I'll just elaborate more on some of the stuff you said because um, that really – was it? I mean, it was just Kansas City. It, it was two things happening at the same time. It was Tampa Bay being uniquely built from a just not even from a scheme standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, being uniquely built to give Kansas City a really hard time. Because they have a very good, not elite, it's not elite, they just have a good front four pass rush. They have very athletic, talented linebackers, and they have very big, fast DBs. And that alone, just having those bodies, that skill set, on top of the adjustments that they made, on top of the injuries that Kansas City had, made it look the way it looked. And then when you obviously you flip it over to the other side of it, it was simply just Tampa Bay picking at the Chiefs' weaknesses. And just to like take you through my roller coaster of emotions over the course of this game, because this 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 Super Bowl and this result, Matt, you're not gonna like when I say this. The result of this Super Bowl was important. It gave the NFL hope. No, oh, no, we could beat the Chiefs. No, 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 no. It's not not about that. It, it it was important from this mindset. No team, and you kind of said this, despite everything 
Patrick Mahomes is and everything he tried to do. When you have that amount of things not going your way, whether it be injury, whether it be play calling, whether it be dropped passes, whatever it is, when you have that many things not go your way, you should not win a football game. Like, you just shouldn't be able to win. I think it's insane that the margin of error for the Chiefs is so huge, and then you finally saw the other side of it, because they haven't they, they haven't played their best football most of the season until, like, the playoffs, you could say, like, up until Mahomes got knocked out, they were playing very efficiently against Cleveland, and mm-hmm. then against Buffalo, they just, I think the game against Buffalo was Kansas City firing on all cylinders yes. with low, with well inside their margin of error, and that completely went out, out the window against the Bucks. Like you can, they, I think they finally saw like, all right, we're not just, we can't just win every game by doing whatever we feel like we actually have to play football sometimes. Yeah. That's, that's why it was important. It was important from the standpoint of this is a team that can just, like you said, the margin of error for Kansas city is just so massive that it seems like there's just nothing they can't come back from. So it's less about, oh, it gives the NFL hope that Kansas City can be beaten. Kansas City's been beaten. Like, Kansas City has been beaten straight up by other teams because sometimes just a team executes better than you do. It was more about all of the obstacles that Kansas City was facing against a team that, while facing its own obstacles, because... Tampa Bay wasn't fully healthy during that game. I think they had, what was it, Antoine Winfield was playing with a torn labrum in his shoulder. Uh, Vita Vea had literally just been activated. He hadn't played a snap the entire year. And he just got activated quick enough to get to play the Super Bowl. And obviously Chris Godwin. Yeah, Chris Godwin's been dealing with injuries. I think he broke his fingers. Mike Evans had been hurt. Antonio Brown didn't even play. Like, as as steady as Antonio Brown has been over his entire career, injury-wise, Antonio Brown didn't play, like, the entirety of the playoffs until the Super Bowl because he was hurt. And now it turns out that Brady had some crazy knee injury that he has to have surgery on now. Like, all of those things. But just having... Having all of the things that happened to Kansas City, you have basically an entire backup offensive line. You have Patrick Mahomes not being able to throw to his left because of a turf toe injury. You have a a, a tragedy occur days before the Super Bowl that can't not distract your head coach away from the game. Like all of these things happening to Kansas City as unfair as it may seem you shouldn't be able to win a football game with all of those things happening and it just kind of like not mortalized them but it kind of made it look like look man like when this amount of shit goes wrong no team is immune to that like as great as Patrick Mahomes is he can't just (laughs) he can't just be running for his life on one foot Every single time he drops back to throw the ball. And it was this interesting dichotomy of like, and I'm sure you you noticed it during the game. What was the thing that was working for Kansas City? 
running the ball. Like, they were running the ball effectively in that game. Clyde was averaging, like, five yards a carry. Right. I don't know. And why. I, I feel like just, I don't know if it was because Andy was, like, too distracted by the outside football stuff. They, they didn't, they just, they needed to run the ball more. Like, okay, the first game against Buffalo back in week six, they, nothing was available in the past game. They ran the ball, and Clyde had his best game of the season. I feel like it's, if they had been able to transition into that, I don't know if it was because it was the super. I, I feel like everything compiled on top of each other, and mm-hmm. that's why they just kind of stuck to their game plan and didn't adjust yeah. in the way they needed to. Yeah, and I, yeah, I agree. I think it's just a combination of, on paper, Tampa Bay should like Tampa Bay's the Tampa Bay's been the number one run defense team two years in a row, so you wouldn't think that that would be an effective way to beat them. But because of the way they were playing defensively, it was the effective way to beat. It was just like this. this they weren't blitzing at all. No. Literally, they just played the cover two shell, dropped everybody back in the quarters and whatnot. Yeah. They were they were basically saying, hey, if you're going to beat us, you have to run the ball, and Kansas yeah. City just didn't do it. Yeah. And that's always been – ever since Patrick Mahomes broke into this league, that's been – Really, honestly, like the only shot teams have defensively. That's why the Chargers have been like, even though the Chargers haven't won a lot of games. Like if you go back and you look at just statistically, Patrick Mahomes has struggled against the Chargers just numbers wise. And then again in the Super Bowl two years ago against San Fran until like the big play on Wasp. That really is the key. Like you have to be able to rush with four and play coverage behind it. But the whole point of this offseason for Kansas City was, okay, if teams are going to do that to us, we need to be able to run the ball. So that's why they, that's why Andy Reid called Patrick Mahomes on the phone on draft day and said, hey, who should we draft? And Pat said, take Clyde. He was the missing piece. And it just struck me as so insane that Clyde is, not just that they weren't running the ball a lot, and you probably noticed this, Clyde would rip off like a nice like eight-yard run, right? And they'd get a first down. Mm-hmm. And then they'd put Darrell Williams in. And Darrell Williams is getting tackled a yard back in the backfield. Like, why? Clyde's the, Clyde, at, at certain points in that game, was the only thing that was working offensively for the Chiefs. And they just, they, they just stopped giving him the ball. I, I, it was... It was bizarre. It was just this strange, like, game plan that really didn't make a lot of sense. And I think it was like when they felt when they went down by the two scores, it, which is weird because usually they they don't just abandon ship. I mean, you've seen them come back so often. Like they got the goal line stand, and you thought, all right, yeah. here comes Kansas City. Yeah, and and then they just didn't. I'll tell you, they my punted again. My roller coaster of emotions was, and this is this is why Kansas City frustrates me so much. If this was any other team in history of me watching football, and I looked at, I just looked at the injury reports and the schematic way that these two teams tried to play. If I had not watched the postseason from 2019 with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, and I just had my 
pre-occurring knowledge of football. And then here's the injury report for Kansas City. Here's the injury report for Tampa. Here's what these two teams like to do to each other. I would have looked at that and be like, oh, there's no way Kansas City can win. There's just no way. Mm. But because Kansas City has burned into my mind this idea that they're never out of it. it. It's just never over. They always find a way to come back. It it's like really silly because, like, I mean, even in this game when they were getting their at, even uh, until, like, the interception halfway through the third quarter, or no, you, even until the interception in the fourth quarter happened, you almost felt like they could come back. In, in like, there was, like, this some, like, bit where, because they would move down the field, and you're like, oh, here it comes. And then they would kick a field goal. Yeah. Or then he threw that first interception but like or he take a sack yeah because i mean you look at last year he threw two interceptions one at late in the third quarter one early in the fourth quarter and they were still down by two scores and came back and won so like there was like a feeling where like you'd see them start to get something going oh maybe and then they were shut down i don't know i i just to flip it real quick uh to the Tampa Bay offense and then we'll put a bow on the Super Bowl and we'll move on to some totally not exciting things that have been happening in the NFL over the course of the last month. Um, If we flip it over, this is another thing that irritates me about when teams play Kansas City and I'm talking to you like Las Vegas Raiders and Denver Broncos and all these other teams. When you are playing the Chiefs, there is this misconception that you have to go to your quarterback and tell him, we need you to throw the ball 40 to 45 times. You're going to need to scramble around. We need you to throw the ball deep down the field. We need you you to just ball out and have the game of your life in order for us to win this game, right? right? That is not how you beat them. The way you should attack the Chiefs defense is the same way you should attack any other defense in the National Football League, which is whatever they're not good at, attack it. That's it. Just run your offense. If the Chiefs can't stop the run, then run the ball. If the Chiefs can't defend the pass, then throw the pass. If the Chiefs can't, you know, defend zone reads or RPO, run RPO. Do whatever it is that is going to score points. And that's what blows my mind is like these games against Denver where Drew Locke is dropping back 35 times trying to throw the ball deep down the field when he can't because he sucks. Damn. Like it just it irritates me that these teams fall into this trap of like you need to keep up with the Chiefs. No, you don't need to keep up. Just score. Just run your offense. Do you know what I mean? And that's all Tampa Bay did. Like you said, Tampa Bay was like, what can't the Chiefs do? The Chiefs have a difficult time stopping the run. They have a difficult time with screen passes because they're so aggressive up front, and they have a difficult time defending tight ends across the middle. And that's all they did. That's all Tampa Bay did all game long. (laughs) And, like, how many times did they punt in the game? Twice? And it was, like, the first first two drives they had the ball. They punted, and every other time they touched it, they scored. Like... Mm -hmm. It's that type of stuff just drives me crazy. And it's not just with the Chiefs. This this can be attributed to any great team. Like, this can be attributed to Brady's Patriots. 
you know, Peyton Manning with the Broncos and the Colts and even like, you know, even other good teams in the NFL, like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And we saw teams do it against Seattle in the second half of the season. I'm sure we'll talk about Seattle in this episode, but like whatever it is that gives you the best chance to score points against your opponent, whether it's running the ball 45 times a game or whether it's running nothing but play action passing, whatever it is, just do it. Just do it. Whatever it is. And that's all Tampa Bay did. And that's all Brady's ever done his entire career. Go back to New England. What's the most frustrating thing about New England Patriot players in fantasy? Like, what's the most frustrating thing? That one game a year will they'll promote some random practice squad running back, right? They'll put him they'll put him out on the field. They'll give him 35 carries. He'll rush for 200 yards. Everyone the next day will rush out to the waiver wire to pick him up and then he never plays again. Like the Brandon Boldens of the world. God. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what the New England Patriots did. They didn't care what it took to beat you. They just tried to beat you. So mm. That same philosophy can be applied to other teams, and teams don't do that. And that's what's frustrating, and that's why I was happy with the way Tampa Bay attacked the Patriots. De- oh, not the, I'm getting on the Patriots now. The way Tampa attacked um, the Chiefs' defense. Like you said it. Like When Willie Gay got hurt, Chiefs had a hard time stopping the run. They had a hard time defending screen passes. They had a hard time defending passes across the middle. That's what Tampa Bay did because it worked. So, oh, another thing that I thought, uh, this will be the last thing I say, a little thing that happened early in the game that I think actually affected a lot of the game that no one really talked about. So, early on in the Buffalo Bills game, in the AFC Championship game, remember mm-hmm. when Chris Jones threw that punch and it didn't get, and no one saw it? Um, well, yes, but he got, I mean, I'm talking like, I'm talking provoked into it. He got hit first, but he did hit back. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying is like, he, he got provoked into it. He threw the punch, but it wasn't flagged. Right. Right. What happens the very first offensive possession for Tampa Bay? What does Ryan Jensen do? He goes at Chris Jones uh-huh. And, and he draws a personal foul from Chris Jones, right? Mm-hmm. From that point forward, because every single referee in that Super Bowl, I'm sure, saw Chris Jones throw a punch in the AFC Championship game that didn't get flagged and was like, we got to watch Chris Jones. So the second the the game started, Ryan Jensen goes after Chris Jones. Chris Jones retaliates. He doesn't like really do anything to him, but he gets flagged. So now the rest of the game, Chris Jones is playing with this mindset of, I, I, I got to be careful. And when you take that edge away from a defensive player, that, that that's like their trademark, is they play with that nasty edge. Chris, Name me a point in that game that Chris Jones was a factor. He wasn't. I don't even, I don't think they had a sack. Right. Like Chris Jones was non-existent the rest of the game, and that was that was just something that stuck in my mind from the moment it happened. Was like 
they they drew that penalty out of Chris Jones to get him flagged, knowing all well that like the referees are now for the rest of the game going to be paying attention to him. Not only do we know that, Chris Jones knows that, and Chris Jones doesn't want to get ejected out of a Super Bowl. So I don't know. Call it un- call it an it's under. Really interesting. I, I, I okay. So this is something that um that got tweeted out during the game. I, I was trying to like dig it up. It was like uh, the Chiefs play aggressive on defense, and you know sometimes that burns you. I'm surprised in the Super Bowl that they would you know um call that many penalties because I, I think penalties were a bit of a story in the first half. It didn't totally matter, but I mean. The score right before halftime mattered. And there were times where there was just so many penalties this game. Some of them I don't think were legit. Some of them were definitely legit, like Brady provoking Tyron into coming at him and getting the taunting. And which God, I can't believe you, for as much as Tyron talks about getting into other players' heads, and I love him, great player. You, I can't believe you let Tom Brady get in your head like that. To like lash out at him and get that penalty. Anyway, so this was tweeted out by uh, Rick Gosselin. I don't know who that is, but he some guy in sports. Tom Brady should be a scary sight for the AFC champion Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Uh, and this was the Super Bowl was played on two seven or two six. It was played on two seven, wasn't it? I think so. All right, so this was an hour before the game. So this was tweeted out an hour before the game. All right. Tom Brady should be a scary sight for the AFC champion Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So should referee Carl Schaefer's. He worked two KC games this season and assessed 10 plus penalties against the Chiefs in both. KC had only four double digit penalty games all season. So 50% of their double digit penalty games happened to Carl Schaefer's. I... That, but here's the thing, though. That's true. And penalties definitely were... I think if the penalty... If the really shoddy penalties would have continued into the second half... Because they didn't. Because um, at that point, there, there there wasn't much of a game in the right, second half. Yeah. Um, I, I, I remember Adam Lefko talking about um, Cleet Blakeman in this sense. Because uh, uh-huh. apparently Cleet Blakeman was like regarded as one of the most stingy referees in the NFL when it comes to penalties. Um, he told he was talking to players about it. He was saying like, you know, are are there? Do you go into a game knowing about referees and their tendency to c- call penalties? And I can't remember who he was talking to about it. I'm assuming it was probably Brian Westbrook because Brian Westbrook's a, a, a person who's on his show all the time. Brian, I'm pretty sure it was Brian Westbrook. He flat out said, he's like, oh, we get like, we basically get the equivalent of like scouting reports on the officials. Like we know going in if the officials call a lot of stuff. And the fact that the Chiefs drew Carl Cheffers I'm sure a lot of those Chiefs players were like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I'm sure they were all like, God damn it. Like, like this guy who has, maybe he's this way with everybody. 
I don't know. I'm sure there's a way you can find it. But at, at the very least, he certainly seems like he calls a lot of penalties against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs just getting that sheet of like, here are the officials for the Super Bowl. And Carl Schaffer is being on it. I'm sure a lot of them were like, this blows, dude. This sucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was... Uh, we needed to talk about the Super Bowl. I understand it, it was a month ago, but people people want to hear Matt's take on uh it's rare it's rare that we get to hear a a chief's loss matt dustman take so i mean it is it's rare before 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 this you'd been only hearing about them for years i guess you know times change though It, it does all right so i guess that's a good branching point talking about pat mahomes and and tom brady because i really feel like what Pat has done over the last two years and what Brady did specifically this past off season. Um, I think it's affected the quarterback landscape as we see it right now, more than we think. And what I mean by that is obviously the talk of the last couple weeks has been first Deshaun Watson <laughs> literally going into the Texans organization and saying, I'm never wearing a Texans uniform ever again. I mean, they they disrespected the man. They disrespected him so much in promising that he'd be in on the coaching decision, and then just wasn't. And they ruined everything about him. And let's not forget. And, let's not forget like the other like bad decisions they made, like Bill O'Brien trading away DeAndre Hopkins for a second round pick because he didn't like the fact that DeAndre was bringing around the mothers of his children to practice. Yeah. So, like, let's just – plus, like – and, again, we're not going to get into this a lot because, you know, whatever. Try, try and talk about football. But, like, the owner of the Texans has been vehemently against a lot of the social justice stuff that's been going through the NFL. Um, He was the one that – he was one of the owners that spoke out very against the anthem protests. And we know how Deshaun – and a lot of the players, especially Kenny Stills, who is no longer on the Texans, but we know how a lot of those players feel about that type of stuff and the fact that their owner was very against it. You know, let's not forget about that either. But I want Deshaun Watson. Everybody that listens to this podcast knows how big of a fan I am of Deshaun Watson. I think he's – I don't think it's even a question right now that he's the second best quarterback in the AFC I just don't know who else you would put there. I'm not putting Josh Allen there. You can fuck yourself. I am not putting Josh Allen there after one good season. I'm talking to you angry and Shane and whoever else might be listening to us. He's not He's not there yet. I don't, he's had one good year. I want to see him in year four. I want to see it consecutive seasons. Um, this is coming from somebody that I think I picked the Bills to go like, what like six and ten? So I was wrong, but um, the fact that I w- I want Deshaun Watson to literally burn the Texans to the ground. Like my hatred for the new Houston Texans is not a new thing on this show. I revel. I have been just swimming in a pool of ecstasy about everything that's happening with the Houston Texans and how they are going to quite literally force their 
25-year-old franchise quarterback in the middle of his prime force him out of town? I, You know, I just – idiots. This is what they are. It's a – it's – this franchise is going to become the new Cleveland. They're they're going to be so bad for so long. I don't. They have no. They have no draft capital for what the next three years. Yeah, they're basically the Rams, except the Rams did it like smartly. <laughs> the Rams put themselves in a possession possession in a position to get back to the Super Bowl to win one or like position around their team. And yeah, it burned them because they didn't get back and all this stuff. But they they adapted and did well with what they have. The Texans just said, eh, "Let's try this. Let's let's and trade let's trade can... let's trade uh, DeAndre Hopkins and bring in David Johnson." Oh, they resigned David Johnson though. Oh, whoa, ha, huh. oh, ha, man, out. watch out! Remember in 2016 when he was good? Thanks. Oh God! So I, he hurt his hand like four times and then can't hold on to a football. I don't, I don't fucking know. So, but okay. So we originally thought that it was just going to be Deshaun, but now there's another quarterback who <laughs> I think it was Nick Wright put it the best way. It was Russell Wilson, and it seems like every single day we get a new report and story out of Seattle which is not a good thing to see. But Nick Wright put it best. Nick Wright was like, he went on the show, First Things First, on Fox Sports, and he was like, you know what? He's like, I don't want to I don't want to divorce my wife. I love my wife. But here's a list of four people that I would cheat on her with. That's basically what Russell Wilson and his agent did, right? Yeah, 100%. That's that what they did. Pretty much what he did. He's like, I don't want to leave. But if I were to leave... Here are four teams I want to go to. And he didn't just pick, like, four teams that, I don't know, just four random teams. He picked the Saints, which is a Super Bowl team, or a playoff team from last year. He picked the Bears, also went to the playoffs. He picked the Cowboys, which, God, they are just another discussion that we need to have for another day, maybe. Um, I can't remember who the fourth team was. Um, the Raiders, I think it was the Raiders, right? I think that was the fourth team. Um, I think he did actually list the Raiders, which is kind of funny. But then there was this meme image. Why would Russell Wilson want to play for the Raiders? And then you see the offensive line pocket coverage for Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rodney Hudson's got some real estate. Rodney Hudson, who ha- I don't think he's allowed a sack in like three years. Oh my god! So yeah, yeah that- I think. I, what, what do you What do you think? Do you think it has anything to do with like uh, Pete Carroll or organization wise, or or the way that like they flip their play calling to be asinine in the second half of the season, where they just stopped throwing the ball? And like, what 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 do you think? Where, where do you think this uh, comes from from Russ? Well, apparently, this has been a thing for a while. Because you remember a couple years ago, there was reports that he wanted to be traded, and the report was so, like, well-sourced that there actually was a team that was tied to, and it was New York. It was the New York Giants, right? It was before- I, vaguely, I vaguely remember yeah. that, yeah. 
Now, obviously, it didn't happen, and the Giants, in turn, drafted Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. So, here's what I think happened with Seattle this year. (sighs) Pete Carroll has been listening to people for three years plead him to let Russell Wilson run this offense. Right? Mm -hmm. So, he did for the first eight weeks. And... It was just electric, right? Like he was, Russell Wilson was running away with the MVP the first like six weeks of the year, right? Absolutely insane how good he played. Incredible. Then the Buffalo Bills game happened, right? And the Buffalo right. and the Buffalo Bills are unique in the sense that they're, the Buffalo Bills are probably the most woke team in the NFL right now because they legit, on offense, they're like, we're... Never going to run the ball, but yet always going to use play action. And then on defense, we're going to sell out to stop the pass, and we don't give a shit if you run the ball. That's basically... Analytical, they're an analytical football uh, person's like wet dream. They are. It's fantastic, right? You run them into who might be the least analytical person in Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll watches that game, and he says, man... They they just they just never ran the ball on us and I don't understand why and 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 we were trying to throw the ball like everyone's been telling me to do and it just wasn't working I don't understand it you know what I, we got to revert back we got to do so, we got to do something different we got to go back to doing what we were normally doing I, I think that's what it was I I just think that Buffalo Bills game like shook something in Pete Carroll. Like it, it, dude. It just hit him in his boomer bones. And then he's like, "Can't let Russ cook anymore. Got to cook. Yeah, do my way. Right. Like he's like, oh, this clearly can't work. By the way, turn turn the crock pot on. It's time to slow it down. Yeah, like, (laughs) yeah, we got to we got to turn the crock pot on. We got to get Russ out of the kitchen, out of the fryer into the crock pot. Here we go. We'll let this stew for eight weeks and then lose. (laughs) It's like uh, it's like when you try to like when you're deep frying stuff. You're like, oh wow, this tastes great, and then you try an air fryer, and you're like, wow, this isn't nearly as good. It's like one of those situations. Way, yes. Yeah, it was in, one of the, in a way, yes. Yeah, it was one of those. Sorry, situations. Sorry, I just I, I can't I can't take too much shit on an air fryer because that thing changed my life. It did, but like so so Sorry. here's let's let's just think for a second, right? Mm-hmm. Prior to the Bills loss, okay. Prior to the Bills loss. The, the this this was the Seahawks. They won 38-25 against the Falcons, 35-30 mm-hmm. against the Patriots, 38-31 against the Cowboys, 31-23 against the Dolphins, 27-26 against the Vikings because for whatever stupid reason, every time Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins play, it's like some weird <laughs> like parallel universe where both of them are equally as good. I don't understand it. Then they lost to the Cardinals in that crazy, like, like that back and forth insane game where Kyler Murray brought it back at the very end and it was crazy, right? Uh huh. Then they scored. So, and then they, they won 37 27 against the 49ers. So, all but one game, they've scored over 30 points. They then lost to the Bills 44 to 34. They still scored 30 points. Okay? Right. But they gave up 44. All right? Mm-hmm. They were... They, they were 6-2. and two. Okay? 6-2. and two. 
That's it. They were 6-2. and two. From that point forward, they only scored 30 points one time. And it was against the Jets. They scored 40. Mm-hmm. But from that point forward, they won 28-21, 28-21 against the Cardinals in a game where Kyler Murray was hurt. They beat Philadelphia with their quarterback problems. They got <laughs> embarrassed by the Giants, who shockingly were a good defense last year. They beat the Jets. They beat Washington by 5, 20-15. They beat the Rams 20-9 in the game where Jared Goff got hurt. And then they beat the 49ers at the end of the year by three. So they went they they had the exact same season in two halves. In the first half of the season, they were six and two, with scoring 30 points a game, Russell Wilson going crazy. And then in the second half of the year, they went six and two again with Russell Wilson not throwing the ball as much. They were trying to run the ball, protect their defense. Teams got savvy to the fact that it was basically like Seattle was like, we're going to develop this crazy high potent offense that's going to let Russell Wilson cook. But then once teams like counterpunched, it's like the Seahawks didn't put enough thought into it. You know what I mean? It's like they didn't realize they could be counterpunched. They're like, oh, oh. Oh. Do you want do you want to know what happened? This 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 is the analogy I'm going to use. All right. Lay it on me. The Seattle Seahawks wanted to build a porch onto their house. Okay. Okay. So they built the porch. Okay. Okay. Screen windows, right? So you can get the breeze in, you know, whatever. Then after a couple months, winter hit, and the Seahawks went out onto their porch in January and it was cold. And they were like, oh man, this porch isn't nearly as enjoyable in January. So they tore the porch down. That's what happened. <laughs> like, oh my God. Seattle didn't... It's like they built the thing and then didn't realize that you can't use it for half the year. Mm-hmm. And then, like, well, I guess that was a waste of time and just tore the whole thing down. And that is... I don't even know how to, like... How do you quantify... That change, like that's such a drastic change of philosophy, just from one. It was literally one game. It was the Bills game. That was the turning point of the season for the Seattle Seahawks. For them, it was, yeah. And now, and and then there were reports of Russell Wilson. I guess it was after the the first Rams game when they lost. He like went into Pete's office and asked about you know the offense and. All this type of stuff, and they didn't listen to him, and he stormed out, and there's conflicting reports about that, and then they fire Brian Schottenheimer, who was being, like, touted the first five weeks of the year because he was just letting Russell Wilson air it out like crazy. What, Like, what do you think, what do you think Seattle should do? Like, if you're, if you're somehow in charge of Seattle... What do you like? What do you think they should do? Do you trade Russell Wilson? Do you get rid of Pete Carroll, who's a Super Bowl winning head coach and very well liked? Like, what do you do? I I mean, yeah, you got to get rid of him. I, I maybe not. Maybe you don't just get rid of him um, right away. I think like uh, 
it, you got to get people in there that can change like some of the philosophy. Like, if you want to keep an offensive coordinator in there that's different and will actually like throw the ball around more, because the, the team's built to throw the ball more. I, I don't like it, it, the answer for the team is right there in front of them, and I feel like if if you have all the tools and you're not using them, basically this offense is a Phillips head screwdriver and Pete Carroll's trying to get a flathead into the, into the screw and it's not working. And if uh, he, and uh, if Pete Carroll wants to continue to use the flat, use the flathead at some point, he's going to strip the screw and the team's going to fall apart. Um, so he, Pete Carroll either needs to pick up the fucking Phillips head and just let it work Know that sometimes you got a really long screw and you got to, you know, work at it. You know, Rome wasn't built in a night. Sometimes you really got to put more than one screw on a fucking board to get that porch together. You can't just flip to the flathead and try it to force things in that aren't going to work. And and if he doesn't reach for that Phillips head, then it's time to go to like Lowe's or Home Depot and get someone else who can i'm messaging justin right now Uh uh-huh and i'm telling him that he needs to name this episode pete carroll's porch (laughs) (laughs) so there we go that this the episode name is pete carroll's porch so so we have an interesting situation so we have deshaun watson we have russell wilson um we have Kind of mirroring situations where Deshaun Watson has not really said much other than the fact like he he has not reported, he's requested a trade, he's spoken privately to the team saying he doesn't want to play there anymore. It's the team, it's the Texans that are going out and saying we're not trading him, we're not answering calls, which by the way, Equally as disrespectful that the Titans, what the what the Texans are doing, they let J.J. Watt leave. They let Duke Johnson leave. They're probably going to let Will Fuller leave. Right? I, I feel like you need to cut ties with Will Fuller anyway. The man's offended for six games, uh, and he's and he's a liability with injuries and stuff. I know he can be good, but yeah, but they're yeah. letting everyone else leave. And they're digging their heels in the ground. They keep like, all right. So it, it's an irreparable situation. You can't can't fix that. If we're gonna, okay. So this is like, uh, I, I want to bring it like. So you have you have the Seattle Seahawks. You have Pete Carroll's porch that he just like uh, disassembled and then tried to put back together with the wrong <laughs> screwdriver. Yeah. The, the Texans are like, if you had, uh, they're, they're like, okay. So the Texans built the porch. They put an awning over the porch and then they insulated it. Deshaun Watson was the insulation. And they're like, we can get through the winter now. We're great. And, uh, but then horrible storms came through and knock the awning off and, and they're like well how, how do we how do we fix this uh we need a new awning so um we we need to we we need to you know buy one so or so uh 
trying to like, oh, man, I need help here with the home, with so <laughs> I, something that they got rid of. So they had so let's say the awning that they originally had was like really good two by four wood, and um, they go to the store and, and they're trying to. Well, we need a new awning. Well, this is on sale. Look at this, uh, David Johnson plywood. Oh my god! We'll get this first. <laughs> we'll get this first. David and, and Johnson's so they, they, plywood. <laughs> That's gonna be so my put, fantasy team name next year. <laughs> David Johnson's plywood. They put the, they put the DJ plywood up, and and, and all, and it's we're in January, and, and it's cold again. And, and they're like, "Well, we we fixed we, we fixed the cover, we fixed the hole." I I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. Um, maybe maybe we need to maybe we need something to help this insulation. We we need something to help this insulation keep the heat in. It, it's doing its best, but if there's holes, it, it's not going to be able to work. Um, let's uh. Oh, there goes some floorboards. The the JJ Watt floorboards. Oh, we'll we'll let them go. It's fine. Um, we. Oh look, the, this nice table that we had here. This nice table that we had. Uh. It, uh, it it had illegal polish in it. Uh, we have to get rid of that. <laughs> we gotta let that go. Um, oh God! The the nails, the nails. Uh, oh look, look, man, what we let the nails get a little rusty. Nails being the offensive line, we can't let that. That's bad. That. Mm. Uh, man, this insulation. We gotta keep it though. We just we gotta keep everything else. This is fucking. We paid primo for this insulation. It's gonna keep us warm. Wait a minute. There's more hole. Oh no. Wait. Is that a leak? Here, is this water coming in? Okay. Here, here they, you hit it right there. Right there. The leak. Here's what happens. <laughs> the Texans built. I can't. Why are we using porches? I don't understand. <laughs> the Texans built a porch. They insulated it. The insulation is Deshaun Watson. They put an awning over the porch so that the insulation would not get damaged. But then the awning blew off, right? Because they didn't secure it properly and the insulation got wet. So now the insulation is just moldy and is seeping through the room, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of just ripping out the insulation and getting more, they're trying to like find other ways to, to fix save it, it, to save they it. They put so much effort and time and money into this insulation that they can't afford. They can't afford the proper support that the insulation needs. So they're doing anything <laughs> they can to salvage the insulation. Oh my god! <laughs> if you listen, guys, if you've made it from from if you've made it past this point, I don't know what to say to you. We've, we've been talking about porches and going to Home Depot and buying David Johnson plywood. And, oh, God. I love David Johnson plywood. <laughs> it's so good. So, I, I, guess, I guess the way we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll not end this, but I guess the way we tie it together is the Seahawks and the Texans are basically just both screwed. Right? Like, they're screwed. Mm -hmm. Because even if Warren Sharp did an excellent article about this, the two ways that are widely accepted as a way to fix your franchise are not 
technically true. Because the two ways people think the way you, you build a team is you spend a shit ton in free agency or you just get – you just stockpile draft picks. You do like the Boston Celtics strategy, right, where you just have like eight to nine to ten draft picks every year and you you just get a whole bunch of young talent, right? Right. But the problem is is that's not true is like – you need both, but you need both in moderation. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, 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 if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go on Twitter, find Warren Sharp. It's at Sharp Football. He did an article on NBC Sports, and it, he literally creates a, a, a graph to show you the teams that spent the most in free agency on a year-to-year basis and where they finished in wins. And it's unbelievable to see like the more the teams that spent the most in free agency are almost always the teams that didn't win a lot and then when you incorporate like okay well what teams had the most draft picks it's almost like the same thing it's always these teams that can just kind of find a way to find value in the in free agency not overspend and yet get good players and also simultaneously hit just enough on their draft picks to have an equal balance. That's what the Chiefs yeah. are. That's exactly yeah, what the Chiefs are. You can't be you can't you can't be loyal to Home Depot. No, sometimes stop Lowe's, it. Sometimes Lowe's has a good deal and you got to go there. Oh my god, man. Sometimes you got the Lowe's coupon. You can't buy everything from Walmart, okay? Sometimes you got to go to sometimes you got to go to some nice department stores and get quality stuff. You sometimes can't just, you got to go to a Kroger's, a Giant Eagle, a, that's a right. Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's by the way. My girlfriend turned me on to Trader Joe's. Love that place. Oh yeah. Love that place. Uh, I haven't been to one. I'd like to There's one in uh oh shit. There's one near you. <laughs> that's the oh, one I that's fuck. the one I go to. Uh oh, fuck. We're going we're going to Trader Joe's someday. I'm going to fucking Trader Joe's. Go to Trader Joe's. Jo- go to Trader Joe's, man. It's great. Um, right. But anyway, um, uh, it, it, it's it's so basically the way I'm tying this into Seattle and Houston is Seattle and Houston are going to go down this path of we're going to trade our franchise quarterback and just stockpile a ton of picks and we're going to use them to rebuild our roster. The problem with that is that that alone doesn't usually work. No, because right? draft picks are essentially a lottery. You, you can scout someone to all kingdom come or whatnot, but they could still, you know, suck in the NFL. Yeah. There's very, very few sure things. Like, the only sure things I can really think of, like, recently have been, like, uh, like Quentin Nelson for the Colts, right? Like, everybody Mm -hmm. knew. Like, I was like, no, Quentin Nelson's going to be one of the best guards in the NFL. Sure enough, he is. Like, Miles Garrett, right? Miles Garrett came out a couple years ago, and people were like, no, he's going to be, like, he's going to be really good. You know, Joey, Joey, or um, Nick Bosa, right? Nick Bosa comes out, people are like, no, 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 he's going to be really good. Chase Young, he's going to be really good. You know, like Colin Cowherd says it all the time, great is really easy to spot. You know what I mean? It's it's those tweener guys that you have difficulty with. But that's the point of the draft is 
most guys are tweener guys. And it's not like the Texans and the Seattle Seahawks have this glowing track record of draft picks, right? Like, they really don't. They didn't draft Laramie Tunsil. They didn't draft. They drafted Will Fuller, but Will Fuller was injured. They drafted DeAndre Hopkins, but then they fucking traded him away. Like, the two best draft picks that these two teams have made in the past decade are the two quarterbacks that are trying to get out. So, it's not. If I I were going to say anything, I think at at least from Seattle's uh, ownership or administration perspective, you're not at the point of no return with Russ yet. I think you can, because the team is still good and they have draft picks. It's just some coaching decisions. And I think like if that comes push to shove at some, if, if it comes down to it, Seattle ownership's going to look at, well, we get to keep Russ or we get to keep Pete Carroll Bye, Pete. So like, I, I think like they're, they're, I don't, I think like when it comes to Seattle, they have a secondary path they can like go down. Whereas the Texans, they hit the point of no return and they're just too scared to rip the bandage off. They're not, I, there were the Sean Watson has to pay, like he said he'll pay, I think it's like 5 million or whatever if he doesn't play or something. I mean, man got shit tons of money last year. So the 5 million, he just pissed that away. I, uh, yeah, the Sean Watson is putting his line in the sand. He's going to leave you on Bellet and say, I'm not playing. I don't care how much it costs me. You know, what's interesting is I actually heard something on ESPN that it's not just internally that the Texans are pushing back against Deshaun, but I, and, and again, you, you take these type of reports with a grain of salt because you never know who the source is. Um, but I saw on ESPN, I think it was Dan Graziano say that there are other owners that don't want the Texans to get rid of Deshaun because letting a 25-year-old 35-plus million-dollar-a-year quarterback go just because he's unhappy, even though, like, that's kind of an important thing, right, making sure your franchise quarterback is happy. Right. They're afraid that it's going to set this, like, man, these billionaire owners are afraid that these quarterbacks and these players are going to hold them accountable. <laughs> is ba- is basically what the report was saying. It was like, oh, man, you can't. You- disgusting. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Like, I'm oh, actually, like, mad about that. No, that's what that's what he said. Like, they were like, oh, you can't let this happen. Like, like that's actually what Dan Graziano said. And I was like. Dude, and that's why I prefaced this by saying I want Deshaun Watson to do everything he possibly can get out to get out of Houston because if he forces if he is a 25 year old franchise quarterback 35 plus million dollars a year one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL and he forces his team to trade him that that is gonna make every single of these. And I, listen, in the battle of millionaires versus billionaires, you should never be taking the billionaire side, right? Never. Never, never ever. Never, never. never in a million years. So all of these billionaire owners are just going to like, like out of 
out of anything that they out of all the stuff that they don't have to worry about in their lives because they're billionaires the fact that Deshaun Watson could potentially do that and just send the slightest little quiver the slightest little like like oh no like that just happened like i want that to happen so bad <laughs> i want it to happen so bad and like you said there's Wake no call. there's no what are they going to do he 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 flat out said to the new head coach david cully who i is a victim in this by the way like david yeah, cully he's going to be he's going to be a no, David Cully is going to be a fall guy. I, I almost feel bad. Man's going to get fired after one or two seasons. That's, that's what I'm saying. He's like a victim in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Deshaun Watson looked that man in the eyes. He just got the job. Deshaun Watson looked that man in the face and said, I never want to play another snap in this uniform ever again. What Like, what 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 do you expect to do? There's nothing you can do. He is gone. He does not want to play there. So you can find him. You can fucking do whatever you want. But here's the best part about it. If the Texans... Say the Texans do the unthinkable and they don't trade him. Right? Mm-hmm. And Deshaun doesn't play. Right? Deshaun doesn't right. play. Right. They are for sure going to be the worst team in the NFL next year, right? Exactly. For sure. The quarterback class next year is abhorrent. It's bad. It is so bad. So, like, it's not like... So the Texans, at that point, are going to be forced into a situation where they either have to use the first overall pick to draft a quarterback that I don't even know who it's going to be, is not even going to be close to as talented as Deshaun, or they're going to have to go to free agency and address the quarterback spot, which means they're going to have to spend more cap space that they don't have and then pay two quarterbacks, and Deshaun's still not going to want to play there. Like, if you don't trade him, it's you're, you're setting your franchise on fire. You need to just trade him. Like you were, I agree with you with Russ. the 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 situation with Russell Wilson is still kind of fixable, and the way you fix it is you get rid of Pete Carroll, right? Right. But if you decide to not get rid of Pete Carroll, it is a similar situation because the Seahawks would be in that exact same situation, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't trade Russ, Russ clearly doesn't want to be there. He clearly feels underappreciated, and he clearly feels like he's been slighted. So you're not going to get his best effort by any stretch of the imagination. So your team's going to struggle. You don't have the cap space. You don't have any first-round picks because you traded them all to the Jets for Jamal Adams. Like, oh my god, these two teams, man. The two teams that I... It's so strange. These are two of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL and two of my least favorite franchises. So it just it's, it just makes me so happy to see this happening. It's just kind of wild. I, I don't... I Obviously, the offseason is young. 
Uh, we're a week out from apparently a bunch of massacre in cuts and whatnot with yeah. the uh, salary cap being as low as it's going to be. I, I don't know. Seahawks are going to flounder around again this year. If, if they, if Pete Carroll uh, does what he does, if they build this, I'm sorry, if they build this porch again no! and, they tear, <laughs> and they tear it down again, I he needs to be fired. Like, this is kind of like the last chance. This is why like Russ is, it's a repairable situation. Last chance to see if they can rectify the situation this year. Cause if they don't, you're going to have to rip the bandaid off. Isn't it- the Texans have to rip the bandaid off. They have to get something at this point. Like you have to get something for Deshaun because if he's just not going to play and he sits on a payroll or he sits wherever he does. And like you said, the quarterback class is going to be a trash this year and next year, because I, I feel like, what did I say a month ago when we last recorded? We were reaching like critical mass or, or of like quarterback, young quarterback, Qu- quarterback in the NFL. Qu- uh, Dave Damashek calls it quarterback saturation. Yeah, we're we're reaching like mass quarterback saturation. That there's going to be a come down for a few years where there's not going to be many, if any, good quarterbacks that come out of the draft because we're in a time of transition. So, like, if you don't have a quarterback now, you're not going to get one for a while, which uh, let's segue away, which is why the Colts traded for Carson Wentz. Um, And I think that's why the Rams did what they did for Stafford and getting rid of Goff. And I think that's why the Lions were able to dump Stafford to trade for Goff to get someone younger. I, I think with the quarterback saturation in the league, if you don't have a quarterback now, you're not going to have one for a while like this. Okay. So this draft class, yeah. The, uh, uh, you got Trevor Lawrence, you got Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, you got, uh, Mac Jones, who's going to be a project and not good. We talked about it, not on air yesterday. I don't know if you want to bring that back up. We, um, I, we're, we'll talk more about these quarterbacks and the draft when it gets closer to draft day. Okay. That's fine. And then you have Justin Fields. Uh, so after those four, I think there's like a Trey a, Lance. A Trey Lance is the fifth one. Okay. So after those five, there's not much, you know, going for you. And then after that, we have, I mean, you could always have like some freshman come out and be amazing and then would be anointed the next, you know, star in a couple of years. But on the horizon as it stands on March 2021, after these five quarterbacks, and I mean, on average, only one of them is going to be good. <laughs> like, on average, you cut these, oh, there's these great quarterback draft classes. And then, like, so the year that Watson, Mahomes, and uh, Lamar, Lamar got taken in that class too, right? Or no, he Lamar was with the class that was Baker was in, right? Yeah, it was, uh, that, that class was Baker, Lamar, Rosen, Allen and Darnold. So of right. the, of those three, of those five, two of them were okay. One of them was an abject bust in Rosen. One of them was like talented, but just couldn't overcome dysfunctionality in Darnold. One was truly unique and ascendant in Lamar Jackson. One was super talented, but took a little while to get going, which is Josh Allen. And then the other one in Baker is 
probably the most purely talented out of all of them, but still needs a friendly system to orchestrate an offense. I so, think it's interesting because I think like okay, so like that class had three good quarterbacks. And so and I think that's an anomaly. You, that you take the class that Mahomes and Watson came out of. It, it was those were the only two good quarterback. Who who else was taken with the Mahomes and Watson class? Oh, Trubisky. Okay, yeah, obviously trash, fucking trashed here. I I'd say on uh, on average, you always have like these. I go back to even Russell Wilson's class. You had Andrew Luck, Russ Wilson, and um, RG three. Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I don't know. And Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins has been good, but he's not a Super Bowl winner. And, and Andrew Luck's out of the league. On average, in these quote unquote quarterback draft classes, one ends up coming out of the pack as the obvious one that is better than everyone else and one's going to be good and almost that's almost it i think like baker allen lamar is an anomaly that three of them ended up being good and and i I, I feel like i just with that being an anomaly you have these i will talk more about it but you have these five quarterbacks only two of them are going to pan out and one of them is going to be the one that pans out the most and after that, on the horizon, at that point, if I, I'd like to do like a, a time where we go over the quarterback situation of every team, which some of them are real quick. You know, Kansas City Plus, you know, if, if you don't have a quarterback after this, if you don't have a quarterback after the 2021 season, you're going to be in dysfunction and disarray for what three to four years minimum, probably. Most and likely. I think I think that's why you saw some of the crazy quarterback move to bring it back around. That's why the Colts have Wentz. Wentz can go back to his Christian brother Frank Reich, and they can you know, <laughs> talk about Jesus and throw the throw the pigskin around in the heart of the heartland in Indianapolis when the cornfields grow, and Jesus says, "Let there be corn." And then um, the the Lions needed the Lions. Uh, just were so bad with Matt Patricia they had to blow it up and now they got Dan Campbell Dan Campbell's his name right Dan Campbell yeah. coming in and, and 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 to move on they needed to do something so they traded for Goff and I think Goff needed a change of scenery Sean McVay wasn't about him Sean McVay was throwing him under the bus I think it's interesting like you see Sean McVay throwing him under the bus like every now and again uh, and obviously wanted to. What was it? What was that guy that they wanted to play over him? Oh God, Wolford. Yeah, they were like they were trying to trot out Wolford. I don't think Goff is that. Also, like sidebar. I wonder. Like I, I kind of wish uh, Sonny Corey was here because, like, for years he's been talking up Matt Stafford and Jared Goff, and now they've traded teams. <laughs> <That's> just, like, <laughs> funny. It is like. Yeah, Sonny is our – he's such a big stan for these two guys, and they – both of their teams basically gave up on them. <laughs> right. But then and just so swapped. It, it's it, it's interesting. I, I want to see what Matt Stafford does this year. So, like, okay, so – and then you have, like, three hours ago uh, from Dan Patrick's show, I think, today, 
Lions head coach Dan Campbell isn't allowed to talk about the Jared Goff trade until it becomes official because league season technically hasn't started, whatever. Mm -hmm. So he was asked what traits he's looking for in a quarterback, and he answered, I would say that you'd love the guy to be blonde, and you'd love for the guy to have a one and a six on his jersey. <laughs> like, I think it's interesting that like the Lions, at least Dan Campbell, with their new rebuild, they think they have a quarterback that can run their team. You have Indy that has Wentz. You have the Eagles, which are becoming a quarterback factory of sadness, have Jalen Hurts, <laughs> and I guarantee you they're going to draft one of the five busts. God. Whatever of these five – I bet you the Eagles are going to draft Mac Jones. We'll, we'll leave that for another time. But the Eagles are going to fucking draft Mac Jones. I can already see it. And then you have uh, uh, the Dolphins, if they want to stick with Tua or not, and – I think some of the quarterback situations around the league are just interesting because, and I'm totally repeating myself like for the third time and I'm sorry, but if you don't have a quarterback after this year, you're not going to have one. And I think some of this scrambling is like doing the absolute best a team or a franchise can to have a shot. And I'm interested to see how it works out for some, because uh, if the, if the Seahawks continue to go in disarray, uh, it, I want to see improvement from the Cardinals. Yeah, you got Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt now. That defense should be pretty monstrous. I want to see Kyler Murray advance because it's almost his division to lose. But Stafford could just come in and run the NFC West like it's no big deal. So I, I think... And, then and, we'll, and let's we're coming back. I was going to say, and let's not forget that like Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter, he wins like 85% of his games. Like if that team stays healthy, the NFC West is going to be interesting. And this is Russ's like last chance for Pete Carroll. Uh, so, so you have that going on. Um, the AFC East you, you now has wait, no AFC South has Wentz. It'll have Trevor Lawrence in a little bit. I think uh, Tannehill is still. I think Tannehill's the perfect fit for the Titans. I, I think like their situation is good, um, because it, with, with Derrick Henry being, I, I feel like Derrick Henry's like the one running back I'm okay with paying. He's like the, he's like the exception that proves the rules, so that team can be built a little different. And mm. I just love Vrabel. Um, I don't want. I, we can't get into this now. I, I feel like we need an entire episode to talk about every team's quarterback situation and what it means. Yeah, in twenty twenty one in the future, uh, there's, there's just so much to talk about. It's it's definitely yeah. That will be that'll have to be the next episode we do where we go over every team's quarterback situation, projecting past the upcoming season that we're about to have, and. Do we think they're going to have an answer at quarterback by that point? And if not, I just want making the list of teams that won't have an option, given what we think is going to happen in the draft and what we think is going to happen in free agency, um, is going to that that'll be the next episode we do. If I want to, because I guarantee you the Steelers are going to be on that list, and it's going to make me sad. Yeah, I'm sorry. They did just sign Roethlisberger uh. today. Did you see like, my? He, he took he took a pay cut. I like, don't I don't care. I know. That's why I'm, I'm, I was trying to. 
I was trying to say it doesn't matter. They're going to be irrelevant. Do you, they're, they're they're not going to win the division this year. They're not going to be a good football team. I I oh, want no, their defense will be good. But can like, I, can I read the tweet that I that I put out? Yeah, um, go for it. I Pit, liked it. Go for it. The Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers official Twitter handle. It said we have signed Ben Roethlisberger to a new contract for 2021. I quote tweeted it, and I said, "What do the Steelers, the Patriots currently, the Texans once Deshaun is gone, the Broncos?" The Washington football team, the Bears, the Panthers, and the Cardinals, I guess, how all have in common. Would you like to know what they all have in common, Matt? Uh, go ahead, go ahead and tell me. Tell me what they have in They all have the best they all have the fourth best quarterback in their fucking division. Yep. You cannot tell me that Ben Roethlisberger at this point, I don't give a shit. What he's accomplished. We are talking about the upcoming 2021 NFL football season. You cannot tell me that he is better than... He sure as shit is not better than Lamar Jackson. Not even on the same universe. I don't think he's better than Baker at this point. With how much more confident Baker is in this offensive system with Stefanski. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I don't think he's going to be better than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was incredibly impressive in his rookie year, given the circumstances in the toughest rookie quarterback season ever, potentially. He's the fourth best yeah. quarterback. He is. It's got nothing to do with legacy. We're talking about right now. He is the fourth best quarterback in the AFC North. And out of all of those teams, out of all the teams I just mentioned, do you want to know what they're also all going to have in common? None of them are going to win their division next year. None of them. None of them. Not the Patriots, not the Steelers, not the Texans, not the Broncos, not the football team, whoever the hell they get. Not uh, um, not Carolina. Not, I don't think Arizona is going to win it. I think Arizona will be good. That's why I put I guess, because I guess Kyler Murray is the worst. I don't know. It's arguable between him and Jimmy Garoppolo. But... None of them are going to win the division. None of them. So why should I be excited? <laughs> you know, we won the division last year and still lost. We got our asses kicked by Cleveland. In the most, like, comeuppance game ever. We really had that coming. I know I know we never really, like, talked about that game. But as a, as a Steelers fan, and man, am I, am I hanging on by a thread? Like... <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm hanging on by, like, this, I'm, I'm close, man. Like, if this fucking team goes into the draft and they draft Najee Harris with the first overall pick, I'm done. I'm out. I'm bailing. If they draft a fucking running back with their first pick, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out. I'll put all my Steeler shit in a bag. I'll fucking throw it in a, in the corner of my closet and it will not come back out until... Maybe ever. You're going to buy the Trevor Lawrence Jaguars jersey and just become Dude, you. I'm buying it anyway. You fucking know I'm buying it anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm a Jaguars fan again, dude. I am. 
I've been waiting three years for this, dude. I've been waiting. I've been waiting three. I've been waiting three years for two things to happen. I've been waiting. I've been waiting three years for the Jaguars to be good again, and I've been waiting three years for Trevor Lawrence, the the golden child of the NFL, to get into the NFL. I've been waiting, and they're both gonna happen at the same time. My like the 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 oh, perennial the perennial golden child of college football, the second coming of Peyton Manning and John Elway going to the team that I want to be good. Ah, oh, it's just a dream come true. Ah, oh, you're damn right. I'm buying a Trevor. I'm not joking. I literally. So take behind the scenes a little bit. My brother and my brother and I disagree on virtually every single opinion when it comes to football. He despises Trevor Lawrence. Oh my. Like he, he hates Clemson in general, but specifically he basically just doesn't like any player with that amount of hype behind them. He cuz he just he it annoys him and he gets irritated with it. So I no joke. I'm not kidding. I hope he doesn't listen to this because it's going to ruin it. <laughs> I, I was actually planning on uh, for his fantasy league that I'm in that the last two years I won and took second place. And he's also never beaten me. My brother has. My brother has never. I am, I think, 9-0 and against my brother in fantasy football. Um, Yikes. All right. Cool. 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 Weird flex, but I'm going to do it. Um if he's ever on the show, uh, that's going to be the first thing I say, and he's not going to want to be on the show anymore. Um, but uh, I, no joke, was going to go to the draft and just do my team as normal. And then when it came time to draft my backup quarterback, I was going to go into his bathroom, put the Trevor Lawrence jersey on, walk out, and draft Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> but, but now I don't know if I can do that because... I admitted to doing it, but we'll see. Um, uh, that totally went off the rails. What were we talking about? Oh, the Steelers. They suck. I hate them. Okay, we're done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, God, how long have we been going for? About an hour and a half. Mm. Um, Man, I, I guess, like I said, we'll, next episode, what we'll do... Uh, Matt, that was a really good idea. We will. We're going to go through... Every team's quarterback situation, and we're going to project them. In, I guess I guess what we'll say is we'll project them into 2025. Like, do they have an answer at quarterback theoretically until 2025? Can they either stick with their guy they have now, barring age, I guess, um, or should they in the next calendar year address it? So that's what we'll do um, next episode. Then as it gets closer to the draft, hopefully we can get everybody here and we will do our normal, you know, little round table mock draft where we each get uh, every team. Like, you know, Matt will be the first overall pick. Then I'll be the second. Then Corey could be the third. And then Justin can be the fourth. We do that every year. Um, we could do that. And I'm taking the first overall pick. From the Jaguars, I'm doing that. You're none of you all, so you are allowed to do it. Ew. I'm the lifelong Jaguars fan here. 
You are. So, you are. You, you've shown your true colors today, and they are green and gold. Ah, oh, dude, they are. Can I? I'm, I'm looking up Trevor Lawrence jerseys. I'm seeing if <laughs> I'm seeing if they exist already. There's there's a totally not uh, shady website that I've bought in football. Bought in, I've bought football jerseys off of. It's totally legit. Do you get Do you get like a decent quality or how knockoffy are they? No, they're actually actually I didn't buy a jersey from there. My brother bought me one for my birthday. He bought me a Minka Fitzpatrick jersey. Mm. It's actually pretty nice. It's actually oh, okay. It's cool. actually like decent quality. I was actually really impressed. Um, here we go, Trevor. I swear to God, if this exists already, what if they already made the Jaguars jerseys? Oh my God, they already have them. Yeah, because I mean it's been a lock. It's it, it, if the Jaguars don't take Trevor Lawrence, they're you might as well just take them out back and shoot them. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. That's what I'm gonna do. If they don't take Trevor Lawrence, oh my God, it's real. Oh God, I have to get one. Yeah. Where's the options? Yeah, can I pick? Can I pick a Trevor Lawrence option? There has to be an option, right? We're doing this live. I'm not buying it live on stream, but I, oh, it's there. <laughs> oh, but see, but I can't. I hear. I here's the thing. I can't do it though, because they have his college number, and I I don't know if he's gonna have that number. That's true. You, you're going to have to wait and see what number he's going to wear for yeah. Jacksonville. So I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't get it. I can't. I can't um, get the jersey yet. That's okay. So uh, in in New Orleans Cap Watch 2021. Oh uh, God! They restructured their kicker's contract today. You know. Are they still sixty nine million dollars over the cap? Oh no no no! Looking. They restructured Will Lutz's contract. They they created one point seven four million in cap space. So like they went from like you know sixty nine to sixty seven and a half. Uh, dude, the cap. When it comes to like the the salary cap, when it comes to New Orleans, it might as well not even be real. I don't know how they do what they do. I, it doesn't make any sense. Um, speaking of, oh, this is something that I wanted to talk about. I'm glad I brought this up, uh, or at least I I went back on Twitter. So we're uh, on top of the, you know, draft projection smoke and mirrors time of year, which is what we're in right now. Um, This is also the time of year where teams submit rule changes to the rules committee. And I have one here from the Baltimore Ravens. All right. And I want to run this past you and see how you feel. Okay, I'm going to read this tweet verbatim. Okay, this is straight from uh, Pro Football Talk. Um, Per multiple sources with knowledge of the situation, the Ravens will be proposing a pair of overtime procedures premised on the concept of spot and choose. Okay? Okay. Spot and choose. It works like this. This is in overtime. Okay? So once regulation is over, we're starting overtime. It works like this. One team... That is chosen by a coin flip. The team that gets to pick this first thing, okay? Okay. A coin is flipped. The team that wins. One team picks the spot of the ball to start on overtime. The spot of the ball. Where the ball is. The other team chooses whether to play offense or defense. If one team picks, for example... 
the offense's own 20-yard line, the opponent would then choose whether to play offense from their own 20 or play defense from inside the red zone, with the other team having the ball on its own 20. This would minimize greatly the impact of the coin toss under this proposal. The coin toss would be used only to give the team that wins the toss the right to pick the spot of the ball or choose offense or defense. So here's what would happen. If you win the coin toss, you can choose, okay, where do you want the ball spotted? Okay? If you okay. P- if you pick your own 20, you're basically baiting the other team to say, okay, we're going to give you the ball. We're going to put the ball on R20. If you go out on offense and you don't score a touchdown, right? From your own uh-huh. 20, now we're going to get the ball back and we can score a touchdown and win. Or the team can say, no, 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 no. We're going to play on defense and we're going to make you drive the length of the field. That's the proposed rule change from Baltimore. All right. Um, if I if I was uh, – so and – okay, so um, – Say that's the proposed rule change. Now, do you keep the rest of the overtime rules in place where uh, a field goal, the other team gets a chance for yes. a touchdown, you still win? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, trying to think. How can say? Okay, so I win the coin toss. I don't know if I'm going to play offense or defense. Uh I'm no, because if you say you want to put the ball on the on the ten, the team could say offense and then just score and win. I think here's here's I think the the legality of this is you can only you can't go like inside the twenty, like you can't go inside the red zone. All right, on average, uh, I would probably want the ball spotted spotted at uh the 45 every time i i would choose if i were to so if i win the coin toss i'm saying hour 45 um that way if the other team says offense your defense you know just because most of the time defense is the nfl nowadays just play to not let the team score a touchdown so you keep them slightly out of field goal range so that when they're in field goal range, most offensive minds, especially in overtime, get conservative and you can play the mind game where like, all right, we're in field goal range. We can't fuck this up. And you make you basically put the onus on the other team if they pick offense to play for the field goal. Um, whereas if the other team picks defense, then you play aggressive as fuck and you just go for the win no matter what. So I'm always Matt, spotting the ball at your own 45. Matt, Matt, I knew. I knew that we were friends. Because, <laughs> man, did you get inside my head? Oh, really? Like, my, I, I don't think I would have said exactly at, the, at my 45, but my whole idea would have been, I'm just going to put the ball somewhere near midfield. I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to put it inside. I'm not going to put it at your 20. Because then you're just going to pick offense. You're just going to pick offense. 
And then whether right. or not whether or not you score or not, even if you punt, I'm still probably going to get the ball at I don't know if you have a good punter. I'm probably going to get the ball inside of my own thirty. Mm-hmm. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm fuck it. I'll put the ball at the fifty, smack at the fifty yard line, and then just be like, here you go. You know what it's like. Some of the people that are listening to this aren't going to understand the reference I'm making. But, Matt, you're going to understand it because you've played this game with me a lot. Do you want to know what it's like? It's, it's like when you play Liar's Dice. Ooh, okay. And you're, and you're in a one-on-one situation. And each of you only have one dice under your cup. And the first person that goes just says one six. So if you guys don't know the rules of Liar's Dice, basically you have to like bet on how many dice faces are underneath each one of your individual cups and you start with five dice and every time you're wrong on a potential guess, you have to throw in a dice and when you lose all of your dice, you lose. So, but the problem is, is the dice face only goes up to six and it doesn't revert back to one. So once someone starts guessing an amount of sixes... You can't go back down to fives, fours, threes, and twos. You have to stay at sixes until the number gets so big that you have to either say, okay, well, that's bullshit. There's no way there's that many sixes. Or you have to say, you know, that's spot on. That's the exact same amount of sixes that there are. So in a one-on-one situation when you're playing Liar's Dice, if the first person to act just says one six, then the other person has you're basically putting it on them. Like, you're going to decide whether or not you win or lose. Right? That's basically what you'd be doing. Yep. You're like, I'm putting the ball at the 50-yard line, at the 50, and you can, whether you pick offense or defense, doesn't matter. We're at the same spot. So if you pick offense, you get 50 yards to score, and if you pick defense, I get 50 yards to score. And it it just flips the whole mental mindset. How aggressive are you? How not aggressive? It completely puts it on the shoulders of your opponent. And I think that is such a good strategy. Like if this were to somehow become a thing, I that that if I was a coach, that's one hundred percent what I would do. You're you're going to you're going to get dumbass coaches if that becomes a rule. You are going to get stupid coaches that are like, "Well, we're going to put the ball at their 20." And then the other team's going to be like, "Okay, well, we're on offense." They're like, "Well, shucks." <laughs> Man, I thought we were going to goose them. I thought I no, the, they that we this is defer defer. No, we didn't want to defer the choice. We just... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we want the ball at their 20. Okay, well, you don't get the ball. <laughs> Like, you're just going to pick where the ball is spotted. Oh, well, we want the ball. No, 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 no. They get to pick whether they're on offense or defense. Oh, well, we we, we defer then. Okay, well, then you want yeah. you want them to pick the spot of the ball? Yep, so that that's that's why I, I would put it, like, just in outside of it. Because I, the, the, what I was debating with in my head was putting it just inside field goal range or just outside field goal range. And I feel like putting the ball just outside field goal range tantalizes – the, the offensive team that when they're in field goal range, like, oh, fuck, we can score now. Uh, this is overtime. We're gonna we're just going to kick the field goal. Whereas if you put it inside field goal range, they're, they're more apt to maybe be a little more aggressive and go for it and get closer. Whereas you make them work for that. So you put it at the 45. Like, you make them work for that 
25 yards they need to get in field goal range. Now the seed has been planted in their head. Ah, shit. All right. We're, we're finally here. <sighs> I think it, I think it incentivizes the offense. I think it incentivizes most offensive smooth brain coaches to kick the field. Goal. Oh my God. And I think that's how you do it. Smooth brain coaches. That's, a, that's <laughs> another good fantasy name. Just some smooth brain coaches, <laughs> smooth brained coaches, man. I, I don't know. That was that was definitely something that I wanted to bring up because that came across my feed today and I thought it was really cool. So, uh, well, I think that's gonna. You know what? Hour forty minutes after a month of no content, I think you guys owe us and you owe us uh, some follows as as much because how we slaved away to entertain you over this past month. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at football after dark, uh, F A D P O D. Um, you can follow all of us individually, both me, Sonny, Matt, Justin. All of our Twitters are there. Um, you could also – this is actually kind of interesting. We don't talk about this enough. Um, all four of us actually stream on Twitch. And we all kind of do our own thing. Uh, Matt and I uh, mostly play randomizers. Uh, I speed run a little bit here and there. Corey – uh, plays a lot of. He's been playing. Dra uh, I think he's been playing Legend of Dragoon. He's played. Yeah, it's been really good. Yeah, he's he's played Genshin Impact. Uh, Justin also streams not as much. Uh, he hasn't streamed a little bit because he just recently moved and he had to move his entire setup. But he plays a lot of uh, randomizers as well. Plays a lot of Super Metroid. He used to play Beat Saber, all that type he plays of stuff. Tyco. Yeah, Tyco. Uh, not Beat Saber. That's what I meant to say. Tyco is what I meant to say. Not Beat Saber. Um, but yeah, give us all, um, if you want to, like, hit us all up on Twitch if you like our stuff and you want to pop in and see us play some video games and you can ask us football stuff. I have a channel point reward where you can pay channel points and ask me anything you want about football and I'll answer it. Um, so yeah, we don't talk about that enough that all four of us stream on Twitch. So definitely wanted to give that, give that some, some love, I think so. But with that, um, Matt, is there anything else uh, you want to just like drop? Real quick, before we end this very long episode. Uh, no, no. I think I think it was good to get back in the saddle. Uh, I'd like to not go. I, I'm gonna do what we can to not go a month without recording ever again. So, yeah, like I said, we're gonna do our best again. This video, not this video. <laughs> this this episode, I will be sending this over. And uh, we'll get it up to you guys as soon as we possibly can. Uh, but thank you guys so much for your patience. Um, hope you guys are all staying safe. And excited to talk about football again. I'm excited that there's basically just no off season. Like, we just we can just we can just talk about football. There's always something fucking happening uh, in the NFL that can get us talking. Especially this is true. NFL it truly is 365 days a year now. They 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 dominate. Much of sports, much to the chagrin of all of our girlfriends. Actually, yeah, this is this is true. Uh, <laughs> we, all, all of our girlfriends just just really wish it would end. I, when I, whenever I get into football stuff, Alex just kind of looks at me and sighs. <laughs> hey, there he goes again. There, oh God, I gotta consider leaving him again. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. And I don't love you. Oh, well, then I guess I do.
putting Matt on the spot. Now he has to love you. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs>